0: Section 12 of Poems of American History, Volume 2, The Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melvin Lee. Chapter 6, The Fate of Sir Jack Bragg. Defeated in Jersey, the English turned with increased vigor to the task of securing the line of the Hudson. An army under General Burgoyne, starting from Canada, was to march down the Hudson to Albany. A second, under Colonel Saint-Lazure, was to descend the Mohawk Valley and unite with Burgoyne, while a third, under Sir William Howe, was to ascend the river to Albany, thus completing the conquest of New York. Burgoyne began his advance early in June with an army of 8,000 men, but soon ran short of supplies. And finally, on August 13, detached an expedition to the little village of Bennington, where the Americans had collected horses and stores. Word of its approach was sent forward, and Colonel John Stark prepared to give it a warm reception. The Rifleman's Song at Bennington Why come ye hither, stranger? Your mind what madness fills. In our valleys there is danger, and danger on our hills. Hear ye not the singing of the bugle, wild and free? Full soon ye'll know the ringing of the rifle from the tree. The rifle the sharp rifle, in our hands it is no trifle. Ye ride a goodly steed, ye may know another master. Ye forward come with speed, but ye'll learn to back much faster when ye meet our mountain boys and their leader johnny stark lads who make but little noise but who always hit the mark with their rifle the true rifle in their hands will prove no trifle had ye no graves at home across the briny water that hither ye must come like bullocks to the slaughter if we the work must do why the sooner tis begun if flint and trigger hold But true, the quicker t'will be done. By the rifle, the good rifle. In our hands it is no trifle. Within a day, 800 yeomen were marching under Stark's orders. He was joined by a regiment under Colonel Seth Warner, and on August fifteenth, 1777, in the midst of a drenching rain, set out to meet the enemy the marching song of john stark's men august 15 1777 march 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 from sunrise till it's dark and let no man struggle on the way march 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 as we follow old john stark for the old man needs us all today load 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 three buckshot and a ball with a hymn tune for a wad make them stay but let no man dare to fire till he gives the word to all let no man let the buckshot go astray fire 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 along the line when we meet those bloody hessians in array they shall have every grain from this powder horn of mine unless the cowards turn and run away home 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 when the fight is fought and won, to the home where the women watch and pray, to tell them how John Stark finished, what he had begun, and to hear them thank our God for the day. Edward Everett Hale. Stark found Baum and his Hessians about six miles distance, and the latter hastily took up a strong position on some rising ground, and began to throw up entrenchments. Stark laid his plans to storm this position on the morrow. During the night, a company of Berkshire militia arrived, and with them, the warlike parson of Pittsfield, Thomas Allen. Parson Allen's Ride, August 15, 1777. The Catamount Tavern is lively tonight. The boys of Vermont and the Hampshire are here, assembled and grouped in the lingering light, to greet Parson Allen with shout and with cheer, over mountain and valley from Pittsfield Green, through the driving rain of that August day, the flock marched on with martial mien, and the parson rode in his one-horse shay. Three cheers for Old Berkshire! The general said and the boys of New England drew up face to face. Baum bids us breakfast tomorrow to spread, and the parson is here to say us the grace. The lads who are with me have come here to fight, and we know of no grace, was the parson's reply, save the name of Jehovah, our country and right, which our own Ethan Allen pronounced at Fort Ty. "'Tomorrow,' said Stark, "'there'll be fighting to do. "'If you think you can wait for the morning light, "'and, Parson, I'll conquer the British with you, "'or Molly Stark sleeps a widow at night.'" What the Parson dreamed in that Bennington camp, neither Yankee nor Prophet would dare guess. A vision, perhaps, of the King David stamp with a mixture of Cromwell and good Queen Bess. But we know the result of that glorious day, and the victory won ere the night came down. How Warner charged in the bitter fray with Rossiter, Hobart, and old John Brown, and how in the lull of the three-hour's fight the parson harangued the Tory line as he stood on a stump with his musket bright and sprinkled his texts with the powder fine, the sword of the Lord is our battle cry, a refuge sure in the hour of need, and freedom and faith can never die. It's article first of the Puritan Creed. Perhaps the occasion was rather rash, he remarked to his comrades after the rout, for behind a bush I saw a flash, but I fired that way and put it out and many the sayings, eccentric and queer, repeated and sung through the whole countryside and quoted in Berkshire for many a year of the Pittsfield March and the Parsons' Ride. All honor to Stark and his resolute men, to the Green Mountain Boys, all honor and praise, while with shout and with cheer we'll welcome again the parson who came in his one horse shay. WALLACE BRUCE The next day, August sixteenth, 1777, dawned clear and bright, and the morning was consumed in preparations for the attack. Stark managed to throw half his force on bombs rear and flanks, and early in the afternoon assaulted the enemy on all sides. The Germans stood their ground and fought desperately, but they were soon thrown into disorder and at the end of two hours were all either killed or captured. The Battle of Bennington, August 16, 1777 Up through a cloudy sky the sun was buffeting his way, on such a morn as ushers in a sultry August day. Hot was the air, and hotter yet men's thoughts within them grew, They Britons, Hessians, Tories saw. They saw their homesteads, too. They thought of all their country's wrongs. They thought of noble lives poured out in battle with her foes. They fought upon their wives, their children, and their aged sires, their firesides, churches, God, and those deep thoughts made hallowed ground. Each foot of soil they trod their leader was a brave man a man of earnest will his very presence was a host he'd fought at bunker hill a living monument he stood of stirring deeds and fame of deeds that shed a fadeless light on his own deathless name of charleston's flames of warren's blood his presence told the tale and made each hero's heart beat high though lip and cheek grew pale. It spoke of Princeton, Morristown, told of Trenton's thrilling story, it lit the futurity with hope, and on that past shed glory. Who were those men, their leader who, where stood they on that morn? The men were Berkshire Yeomanry, brave men as e'er were born, who in the reaper's merry row Or warrior rank could stand, Right worthy such a noble troop. John Stark led on the band. Wollumseck wanders by the spot Where they that morning stood, Then rolled the war cloud o'er the stream. The waves were tinged with blood, And the near hills that dark cloud girt, And fires like lightning flashed and shrieks and groans like howling blasts rose as the bayonets clashed. The night before, the Yankee host came gathering from afar, and each belted bosom glowed, the spirit of war, as full of fight through rainy storm, night cloudy, starless, dark they came, and gathered as they came around the valiant stark. There was the Berkshire parson, he and all his flock were there, and like true churchmen militant, the arm of flesh made bare. Out spake the Domine and said, For battle we have come, these many times, and after this we mean to stay at home. If now we come in vain, said Stark, what, will you go to-night to battle with yonder troops?' GOD SEND US MORNING LIGHT, AND WE WILL GIVE YOU WORK ENOUGH. LET BUT THE MORNING COME, AND IF YE HEAR NO VOICE OF WAR, GO BACK AND STAY AT HOME. THE MORNING CAME, THERE STOOD THE FOE, STARK EYED THEM AS THEY STOOD. FEW WORDS HE spake. 'Twas NOT A TIME FOR MORALIZING MOOD. SEE THERE THE ENEMY, MY BOYS, now strong in valor's might, beat them, or Molly Stark was sleep in widowhood to-night. Each soldier there had left a home a sweetheart, wife, or mother, a blooming sister, or perchance a fair-haired, blue-eyed brother. Each from a fireside came, and thoughts those simple words awoke that nerved up every warrior's arm, and guided every stroke. Fireside and woman, mighty words, how wondrous is the spell. They work upon the manly heart, who knoweth not full well. And then the woman of this land, that never land hath known, a truer, prouder, hearted race, each Yankee boy must own brief eloquence was Stark's, nor vain scarce uttered he the words. When, burst the musket's rattling peal, out leaped the flashing swords. And when the brave Stark in after-time told the proud tale of wonder, he said the battle din was one continual clap of thunder. Two hours they strove, then victory-crowned the gallant Yankee boys. Nought but the memory of the dead bedimmed their glorious joys. Ay, there's the rub. The hour of strife, though follow years of fame, Is still in mournful memory linked with some death-hallowed name. The cypress with the laurel twines, the peon sounds a knell. The trophied column marks the spot where friends and brothers fell, fame's mantle a funeral pall seems to the grief-dimmed eye for ever where the bravest fall the best beloved die thomas p rodman just at this moment when the americans thinking the battle over began to scatter to the plunder of the german camp a relieving force of five hundred men sent by burgoyne came upon the scene Luckily, Seth Warner also arrived with fresh men at this juncture, charged furiously upon the British, and by nightfall had killed or captured the entire column, with the exception of six men who succeeded in reaching the British camp. Bennington, August 16, 1777. A cycle was closed and rounded, a continent lost and won. When Stark and his men went over the earthworks at Bennington, slowly down from the northward, billowing fold on fold, whelming the land and crushing, the glimmering glacier rolled, down from the broad St. Lawrence, bright with its thousand isles, through the Canadian woodlands, sweet with the summer smiles. On over field and vastness, village and vantage coin, rolled the relentless legions led by the bold burgoyne roared the craggy ledges looming o'er lake champlain red with the blaze of navies quivered the landlocked locked main soared the Vancouver eagle screaming across the sun deep-dived the loon in terror under lake horicon panther and heart together fled to the wilds afar, from the flash and the crash of the cannon, and the rush of the southward war. But at last, by the lordly river, the trampling giant swayed, and his massive arm swung eastward like a blindly plunging blade. New England felt her bosom menaced with a deadly blow, and her minute-men sprang up again and flew to bar the foe. But Stark, in his Hampshire valley, Watched like a glowering bear, That hears the cry go sweeping by, Yet stirs not from his lair. For on his daring spirit A wraith lay like a spell, The wraith of one rewarded ill, For a great work wrought right well. Neighbor and friend and brother Flocked to his side in vain. What? Can it be that they long for me to ruin their cause again surely the northern lights are bright surely the south lies still would they have more lo i left my sword on the crest of bunker hill but at last from his own new hampshire an urgent summons came that stirred his heart like the voice of god from sinai's walls of flame he bowed his head and rose aloft again he grasped the brand for the cause of man and my native state not for an ingrate land through the mist veil faintly struggling the rays of the setting sun reddened the leafy village of whitewald bennington then out of the dismal weather came many a sound of war the straggling shots and the volleys and the cries now near now far for forms half seen were chasing the phantom forms that fled and ghostly figures grappled and specters fought and bled till the mist on a sudden settled and they saw before them fair over a hill to the westward an island in the air there were tree trunks and waving branches and greensward and flowers below it rose in a dome of verdure from the mist wave's watery flow a flag from its summit floated and a circling earthwork grew as the arms of the swarming soldiers at their toil-unwanted flew ah cried the yankee leader so the panther has turned at bay with his claws of steel and his breath of fire behind that wall of clay OUR STEEL IS IN MUSCLE AND SINEW, BUT I KNOW, AND HIS VOICE RANG FREE, RIGHT WELL I KNOW WE SHALL STRIKE A BLOW, THAT THE WORLD WILL LEAP TO SEE. I STOOD BY A BLAZING CITY, TILL THE FIRES HAD DIED AWAY, SAVE A FLICKERING GLEAM IN THE RUINS, AND A FITFUL GLEAM ON THE BAY. BUT A SWARTHY COVE OF THE WATER BLUE, BRISTLED FROM POINT TO BASE, WITH THE BREATH OF DEMONS BURSTING THROUGH THE CRUST OF THEIR PRISON PLACE, AND ANOTHER BESIDE IT FLAUNTED A THOUSAND RAGS OF RED, LIKE THE PLAQUE KING'S DANCING BANNERS ON A MOUND OF THE swollen DEAD. TWIN BROTHERS OF FLAME AND EVIL IN THEIR QUIVERING LIVING LIGHT, THEY RULED WITH A FRIGHTFUL BEAUTY THE DESOLATE WASTE OF NIGHT thus did the battle mountain blaze on with flashes dire the leaguered crest responded in a coronal of fire the tough old fowling pieces in huddling tumult rang louder the muskets roaring shriller the rifles clang hour after hour the turmoil gathered and swelled apace till the hill seemed a volcano bursting in every place. Then the lights grew faint and meager, though the hideous noise rolled on, and out of a bath of glory uprose the noble sun. It brightened the tossing banner, it yellowed the leafy crest, it smote on the serried weapons, on helmet and scarlet breast. It drove on the mist below them, where Stark and his foremost stood, flashing volley for volley into the stubborn wood a thousand stalwart figures sprang from the gulf profound a thousand guns uplifted went whirling round and round like some barbarian onslaught on a lofty roman hold like the upward rush of titans on olympian gods of old with a swirl of the wrangling torrents as they dash on a castle wall, with the flame-sea skyward surging at the mountain demon's call. Heedless of friend and brother, stricken to earth below, the sons of New England bounded on the breastwork of the foe. Each stalwart form on the ramparts, swaying his battered gun, seemed a vengeful giant looming against the rising sun the ponderous clubs swept crashing through the bayonets round their feet as a woodman's axe edge crashes through branches mailed in sleet. Shattering head and shoulder, splintering arm and thigh, hurling the red coats earthward like bolts from an angry sky. Faster each minute and faster, the yeomen swarm over the wall and narrower grows the circle and thicker the britons fall till balm with his hessian swordsman swift to the rescue flies the frown on the northland on their brows and the warlight in their eyes back reeled the men of berkshire the mountaineers gave back but stark and his hampshire yeoman flung full across their track the stern teutonic mother Well might she grandly eye The prowess dread of her war-swarms red As they raked the earth and sky, Like rival wrestling athletes grappled The east and west, with straining thews And staring eyes they swayed And strove for the royal prize, A continent's virgin breast. Till at last, as a strong man's wrenching shatters, a brittle vase, the lustier arms of the Westland shattered the elder race. Baum and his bravest cohorts lay on the trampled sod, and Stark's strong cry rose clear and high, yield in the name of God. Then the sullen Hessians yielded, girt by an iron ring, and down from the summit fluttered, the flag of the British King, vainly the tardy Bremen may strive that height to gain more work for the Hampshire war clubs, more room for the Hessian slain. the giant's arm is severed, the giant's blood flows free, and he staggers in the pathway that leads to the distant sea. The Berkshire and the Hampshire yeomen. With men of the Hudson join, and the gathering flood rolls over the host of the bold Burgoyne. For a cycle was closed and rounded, a continent lost and won, when Stark and his men went over the earthworks at Bennington. W. H. Babcock. St. Leger, meanwhile, had landed at Oswego and advanced against Fort Stanwix. General Nicholas Herkimer commander of the militia of Tryon county at the head of 800 men started to the rescue he met the enemy on august 5 at oriskany and there followed the most obstinate and murderous battle of the revolution both sides claimed the victory the battle of oriskany august 6 1777 as men who fight for home and child and wife as men oblivious of life in holy martyrdom the yeomen of the valley fought that day throughout thy fierce and deadly fray blood-red from rock and tree and clump of twisted brush the hissing gusts of battle rush hot breathed and horrible the roar the smoke like mist on stormy seas Sweep through thy splintered trees, hard-fought Oriskany. Heroes are born in such a chosen hour. From common men they rise and tower, like these brave Herkimer, who, wounded, steedless, still beside the beach, cheered on thy men with sword and speech in grim Oriskany. But ere the sun went down toward the tardy night, THE VALLEY THEN BEHELD THE LIGHT OF FREEDOM'S VICTORY. A WOODED TRYON SNATCHED FROM BRITISH ARMS THE EMPIRE OF A MILLION FARMS ON BRIGHT Oriskany. THE GUNS OF Stanwix THUNDERED TO THE SKIES. THE RESCUED WILDERNESS REPLIES FORTH DASHED THE GARRISON AND ROUTED TORIES WITH THEIR SAVAGE aids, SINK REDDENING THROUGH THE sullied SHADES from lost Oriskany. Charles D. Helmer saint leger rallied his shaken columns and settled down to besiege the fort, which laughed at his summons to surrender. Soon afterwards, news of Oriskany and of the siege arrived at General Schuyler's headquarters at Stillwater, and Benedict Arnold set out at once for Fort Stanwix at the head of 1,200 men, such exaggerated reports of the size of his force were conveyed to Saint Leger that on August twenty two he raised the siege and retreated to Canada. Saint Leger, August seventeen seventy seven. From out the northland his Ligure he led, Saint Leger, Saint Leger. And the war lust was strong in his heart as he sped. Their courage, he cried, it shall die in the throat When they mark the proud standards that over us float. See, rover and ranger, redskin and redcoat, Saint Leger, Saint Leger. He hurried by water, he scurried by land, Saint Leger, Saint Leger, Till closely he cordoned the patriot band. Surrender, he bade, or I tighten the net. Surrender, they mocked him. We laugh at your threat. By heaven, he thundered, you'll live to regret Saint Leger, Saint Leger. He mounted his mortars, he smote with his shell Saint Leger, Saint Leger. Then fumed in a fury that futile they fell, but he counseled with rum till he chuckled elate as he sat in his tent door. EGAD, WE CAN WAIT, FOR FAMINE IS FAMOUS TO OPEN A GATE, SAINT LEGER, SAINT LEGER, BUT LO, AS HE WAITED, WAS borne TO HIS EAR, SAINT LEGER, SAINT LEGER, A WHISPER OF DREAD AND A MURMUR OF FEAR, THEY COME, AND AS LEAVES ARE THEIR NUMBERS ENROLLED, THEY COME, AND THEIR ONSET MAY NOT BE CONTROLLED, for tis Arnold who heads them, tis Arnold the bold, Saint Leger, Saint Leger. Retreat was the word e'er more bitterly said, Saint Leger, Saint Leger. Then, when to the northland your Légure you led, alas for Burgoyne in his peril and pain, who lists in the night for the tramp of that train, and alas for the boasting, the vaunting, the vain, Saint Leger, Clinton scholar, Saint Leger's retreat, joined to the disaster at Bennington, left Burgoyne in an exceedingly critical condition. The Americans hemmed him in, front and rear, and increased rapidly in numbers. He had received no news from Howe, who was supposed to be on his way up the Hudson to join him and he found it more and more difficult to get provisions. The Progress of Sir Jack Bragg Said Burgoyne to his men as they passed in review, Toulaloo, 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 boys, these rebels their course very quickly will rue, and fly as the leaves, for the autumn tempest flew. When him who is your leader they know, boys, they with men have now to deal." And we soon will make them feel To laloo, to laloo, to laloo, boys, That a loyal Briton's arm And a loyal Briton's steel Can put to flight a rebel As quick as other foe, boys, To laloo, to laloo, to laloo, To laloo, to laloo, to laloo, boys. As to Saratoga he came, Thinking how to joy the game, to laloo, to laloo, to laloo, boys, he began to see the grubs in the branches of his fame. He began to have the trembles, lest a flash should be the flame, for which he agreed his perfume to forego, boys. No lack of skill, but fates shall make us yield to gates, to laloo, to laloo, to laloo, boys the devils may have leagued as you know with the states but we never will be beat by any mortal foe boys tullaloo 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 boys the american army was stationed along the western bank of the hudson while burgoyne's troops were encamped along the eastern bank for nearly a month the armies remained in this position then burgoyne determined to advance to albany and on September 13, 1777, the British army crossed on a pontoon bridge to the west bank of the Hudson. Two desperate attempts were made to break through the American lines, but the British were routed by Benedict Arnold's superb and daring generalship and forced a retreat to Saratoga. Arnold at Stillwater, October 7, 1777. Ah, you mistake me, comrades, to think that my heart is steel, cased in a cold endurance, nor pleasure nor pain to feel. Cold as I am in my manner, yet over these cheeks so seared, teardrops have fallen in torrents thrice since my chin grew beard. Thrice since my chin was bearded, I suffered the tears to fall, Benedict Arnold the traitor, He was the cause of them all. Once, when he carried Stillwater, Proud of his valor I cried. Then, with my rage at his treason, With pity, when Andre died. Benedict Arnold the traitor sank deep in the pit of shame. Bartered for vengeance his honor, Blackened for profit his fame. Yet never a gallanter soldier, Whatever his after-crime, I fought on the red field of honor than he in his early time. Ah, I remember Stillwater, as it were yesterday. Then first I shouldered a firelock and set out with the foeman to slay. The country was up all around us, racing and chasing Burgoyne, and I had gone out with my neighbors, Gates, and his forces to join marched we with poor and with learned ready and eager to fight there stood the foemen before us cannon and men on the height onward we trod with no shouting forbidden to fire till the word as silent their long line of scarlet not one of them whispered or stirred suddenly then from among them smoke arose and spread on the breeze Grapeshot flew over us sharply, Cutting the limbs from the trees. What, did you follow me, Armstrong? Pray, do you think it quite right, Leaving your duties out yonder, To risk your dear self in fight? General Gates sent his orders. Faltering, the aide de camp spoke. You're to return, lest some rashness, Fiercely the speech Arnold broke, Rashness? Why, yes, tell the general the rashness he dreaded is done. Tell him his kinfolk are beaten. Tell him the battle is won. Oh, that a soldier so glorious, ever victorious in fight, passed from a daylight of honor into the terrible night, fell as the mighty archangel, ere the earth glowed in space, fell fell from the Patriots' heaven down to the Loyalists' hell." Thomas Dunn, English Burgoyne was hotly pursued, and when he reached the place where he had crossed the Hudson, found it occupied in force by the Americans. The British Army, in short, was surrounded, and after a week's indecision, Burgoyne sent a flag of truce to Gates inquiring what terms of surrender would be accepted. Three days were spent in a discussion of terms, and on October 17, 1777, Burgoyne surrendered to the American forces. The fate of John Burgoyne, October 17, 1777. When Jack, the king's commander, was going to his duty, Through all the crowd he smiled and bowed to every blooming beauty. The city rung with feats he'd done in Portugal and Flanders, and all the town thought he'd be crowned the first of Alexander's. To Hampton Court he first repairs, to kiss great George's hand, sirs, then to harangue on state affairs, before he left the land, sirs, The lower house sat mute as mouse, to hear his grand oration, and all the peers, with loudest cheers, proclaimed him to the nation. Then off he went to Canada, next to Ticonderoga, and quitting those away he goes, straightway to Saratoga. With great parade his march he made, to gain his wished-for station, while far and wide his minions hide, to spread his proclamation. To such as stayed he offers made, of pardon on submission. But savage bands should waste the lands of all in opposition. But ah, the cruel fates of war, this boasted son of Britain, when mounting his triumphal car with sudden fear "'was smitten, the sons of freedom gathered round, "'his hostile bands confounded, "'and when they'd feigned, had turned their back, "'they found themselves surrounded. "'In vain they fought, in vain they fled, "'their chief, humane and tender, "'to save the rest, soon thought it best, "'his forces to surrender. "'Brave St. Clair, when he first retired,' Knew what the fates portended, And Arnold and heroic gates His conduct have defended. Thus may America's brave sons With honor be rewarded, And be the fate of all her foes, The same as here recorded. Saratoga Song, October 17, 1777 Come unto me, ye heroes, Whose hearts are true and bold, who value more your honor than others do their gold. Give ear unto my story, and I the truth will tell, concerning many a soldier who for his country fell. Burgoyne, the king's commander, from Canada set sail. With full 8,000 regulars, he thought he could not fail. With Indians and Canadians, and his cursed tory crew on board his fleet of shipping he up the champlain flew before ticonderoga the first day of july appeared his ships and army and we did them a spy their motions we observed full well both night and day and our brave boys prepared to have a bloody fray our garrison they viewed and straight their troops did land. And when St. Clair, our chieftain, the fact did understand that they the Mount Defiance were bent to fortify, he found we must surrender or else prepare to die. The fifth day of July then he ordered a retreat. And when next morn we started, Burgoyne thought we were beat. And closely he pursued us "'Till when near Hubbardton our rear-guards were defeated, "'he thought the country won. "'And when twas told in Congress that we our forts had left, "'to Albany retreated, of all the north bereft, "'brave General Gates they sent us, "'our fortunes to retrieve, and him with shouts of gladness, "'the army did receive.' where first the Mohawks' waters do in the sunshine play, for Herkimer's brave soldiers Selinger ambushed lay. And them he there defeated, but soon he had his due, and, scared by Brooks and Arnold, he to the north withdrew to take the stores and cattle that we had gathered then. Burgoyne sent a detachment of fifteen hundred men, By bomb they were commanded, to Bennington they went, to plunder and to murder was fully their intent. But little did they know, then, with whom they had to deal. It was not quite so easy, our stores and stocks to steal. Bold Stark would give them only a portion of his lead, with half his crew, ere sunset, bomb lay among the dead." the nineteenth of september the morning cool and clear brave gates rode through our army each soldier's heart to cheer burgoyne he cried advances but we will never fly no rather than surrender we'll fight him till we die the news was quickly brought us the enemy was near and all along our lines then There was no sign of fear. It was above still water. We met at noon that day, and everyone expected to see a bloody fray. Six hours the battle lasted, each heart as true as gold. The British fought like lions, and we, like Yankees, bold. The leaves with blood were crimson, and then did brave gates cry, "'Tis diamond now cut diamond,' We'll beat them, boys, or die. The darkness soon approaching, it forced us to retreat Into our lines till morning, which made them think us beat. But ere the sun was risen, they saw before their eyes Us ready to engage them, which did them much surprise. Of fighting they seemed weary, therefore to work they go, Their thousand dead did bury, And breastworks up to throw, With grape and bombs intending Our army to destroy, Or from our works our forces, By stratagem decoy. The seventh day of October, The British tried again Shells from their cannon throwing, Which fell on us like rain, To drive us from our stations, That they might thus retreat For now Burgoyne saw plainly he never could us beat. But vain was his endeavor, our men to terrify. Though death was all around us, not one of us would fly. But when an hour we'd fought them, and they began to yield, Along our lines the cry ran, The next blow wins the field. Great God who guides their battles, WHOSE CAUSE IS JUST AND TRUE, INSPIRED OUR BOLD COMMANDER, THE COURSE HE SHOULD PURSUE. HE ORDERED ARNOLD FORWARD AND BROOKS TO FOLLOW ON, THE ENEMY WAS ROUTED, OUR LIBERTY WAS WON. THEN BURNING ALL THEIR LUGGAGE, THEY FLED WITH HASTE AND FEAR, Burgoyne, WITH ALL HIS FORCES TO SARATOGA DID STEER, And Gates, our brave commander, soon after him did high, resolving he would take them or, in the effort, die. As we came nigh the village, we overtook the foe. They'd burned each house to ashes, like all where'er they go. The 17th of October they did capitulate. Burgoyne and his proud army did we, our prisoners, make. Now, here's health to Arnold and our commander Gates, to Lincoln and to Washington, whom every Tory hates. Likewise unto our Congress, God grant it long to reign, our country right and justice forever to maintain. Now, finished is my story, my song is at an end, the freedom we're enjoying, we're ready to defend. For while our cause is righteous, heaven nerves the soldier's arm, and vain is their endeavor, who strive to do us harm. End of section 12.